0: Alright, welcome to the Medicine Podcast. This is Dr. Christopher Hernandez, your host, and now that we've covered thoracentesis and paracentesis, let's cover the last procedure we're going to talk about for now, the lumbar puncture. Okay. As I mentioned in my last two episodes, I recently finished a two-week interventional radiology rotation, during which I performed many paracenteses, thoracenteses, and lumbar punctures. In the episode before last, I described how to do a para in excruciating detail, even discussing things as basic as how to preserve sterility while putting on your gloves. For the episode on thoracenteses, I skipped over some of these nitty-gritty details and just covered the things that were specific to thoras. Thors and Paras are more similar to each other than they are to LPs, so for this episode, I may have to go into quite a bit of detail once again, so I will once again issue a warning to listeners. While I think this episode will be of great interest to you if you do LPs, or plan to do LPs, I think it will get way too in the weeds to be of interest to you if you don't. So if you're not a provider who expects to be involved with LPs at all, I would recommend you instead listen to one of my non-procedural podcast episodes. Okay, let's get started. For paras, we were after acidic fluid. For Thoras, pleural fluid. Now we're after cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF. The goal of an LP is to penetrate the fecal sac to get into that subarachnoid space and steal some CSF from the safe zone just beneath where the spinal cord ends. This can be done safely in those final lumbar intervertebral spaces, typically in the L3-L4 interspace or the L4-L5 interspace. As always, the first step in the process is the most important part of the whole procedure, choosing your spot. So let's discuss how to choose your spot. Before we even get started, I would strongly recommend making sure you have your anatomy fresh in your mind. Look at some pictures of the lumbar spine and be able to visualize the spinous processes and their relation to the intervertebral spaces. Our interventional radiology suite had a physical three-dimensional model of the lumbar spine, which I found very helpful. It even bent a bit, which helped you visualize the way the spinous processes open up a bit if the patient hunches forward. Pictures or a model will help you see that the spinous processes can overlap quite a bit, such that entering the body with the needle perfectly perpendicular to the body may not always be fruitful. Very often, it's better to angle the needle slightly upwards so as to better match the angle of the spinous processes themselves. So definitely make sure you have a handle on the anatomy before you get started. All right. So LPs are similar to thoras in that it's very prudent to review whatever imaging you might have available before the attempt. Even if nobody ever ordered specific studies of the spine, you may have more information about it than you think. A CT abdomen, for example, typically captures the lumbar spine. So look through the chart to see what imaging is available and take a look at the spine. Is it severely scoliotic, kyphotic, lordotic? None of those are contraindications to the procedure, but they'll definitely help guide you when it comes time to palpate the spine for your spot. You can also use imaging to see if the patient has wide open intervertebral spaces. Some older patients will have such severe degenerative disease that one glance at the imaging will tell you that to attempt an LP is totally futile. If you see that, you can spare the patient a fruitless stick, Or if you see particularly challenging anatomy, you can refer the patient directly to interventional radiology for an imaging-guided lumbar puncture instead of attempting it quote unquote blind at the bedside. So review your imaging. All right, now let's come to the procedure itself. We're still at the choose your spot stage, of course. So you go introduce yourself to the patient and assuming they plan to cooperate, you can go ahead and sit them on the side of the bed and start palpating their lower back. In nine cases out of ten the data you glean from palpation is going to be sufficient to select your spot you can try to use the ultrasound to help confirm where the midline is and where the spinous processes are but i find the ultrasound of the spine to be of limited utility it's far easier to use your physical exam landmarks the first important thing to get right is your level look and feel for the patient's iliac crests that is the apices of the pelvic bone Draw an imaginary line, or literally trace a line with your gloved finger between them. That's roughly where you want to stick. Usually your L4, L5 interspace will be just below that line, your L3, L4 just above. Either way, you'll be well below the conus medullaris where the spinal cord terminates, so you'll be safely able to stick the patient without worrying about causing trauma to the spinal cord. Remember your anatomy, remember that the spinous processes rise as they go in towards the patient, so try to pick a spot that you think will sneak right between two spinous processes into the interspace. You can introduce your needle right at the midline, or you can move it a few millimeters laterally and then angle it very slightly towards the midline so that the needle is perfectly midline by the time it reaches its target. Some providers recommend the latter, angled method, not only because it helps skirt the skynus processes, but also because it helps skirt the densest, tensest portions of the interspinous ligament. Some patients have ligaments so hardened and calcified that they're very difficult to penetrate, so a slightly lateral approach can help in that situation. In my experience, however, it seems reasonable to approach perfectly midline at first with the needle essentially perpendicular to the patient but angled slightly upwards towards the umbilicus, then to only try the more lateral approaches if you have trouble when you're midline. But LPs are all about trial and error, so try various approaches and do whatever works for you. As long as you're far enough south on the patient's body, the risk of causing harm to the patient is actually extremely low. Many patients hate the procedure and find it very uncomfortable, but the real risk to the patient is low. Okay, so you found your spot, Mark it in the usual way, with both pen and pen cap indenting the skin. The basics of the procedure here are similar to paras and thoras. You want to consent the patient, glove up, cleanse your patient, drape the patient, numb up the spot with lidocaine, make a little slit with your scalpel, and then come in with your needle. I'll just highlight some key points that are unique to LPs. First of all, patient position. If possible, the best way to position the patient is actually very similar to the thora position. Have them sitting on the edge of the bed, leaning forward onto a table, thereby opening up the spinous processes a bit. Raise up the bed so it's at a convenient height for you to operate. There's a fairly common case where this position is inappropriate, however, and that's whenever you need to measure an opening pressure, as in when you're screening for cryptococcal meningitis or idiopathic intracranial hypertension. These pressures are only meaningful if obtained while the patient is lying on his or her side because the pressure would be artificially elevated by gravity if they were sitting up. So if you're measuring opening pressure, the patient needs to be perfectly on their side with head, shoulders, hips, etc., all making a nice straight line. This position is slightly harder to work with overall, if only because it's slightly harder to visually assess where the midline of the back is, but it does have one advantage in that the patient can draw their legs up very tightly to their body, which again allows the lumbar spinous processes to unfold somewhat so you have a larger target. Okay, so you've positioned the patient in one of these two ways. You've consented the patient. One thing I would be sure to mention when you consent, besides the standard possibilities of bleeding, infection, etc., is the very real chance that they will experience a fairly severe post-procedural headache. Taking out some CSF very often has that effect. The patient's consented, they're prepped, they're draped, You're all sterile, and your kit is open, and there's a trash can nearby, and you've got the four vials you'll need for labs. You've pulled a chair up to the bed so that you don't have to crouch the whole time. For LPs, it's nice to sit during the procedure if you can. It's showtime. Go ahead and numb up the patient. Make that nice blanching wheel, and then numb up along the slightly upward-angled tract that you think you'll be using for your actual stick. Unless the patient's particularly obese, your lidocaine needle should already be long enough to penetrate the interspinous ligament, so you'll likely feel a noticeable increase in resistance as you advance your lidocaine needle. That's to be expected. Dump lidocaine along the whole tract, and remember where you are, just like in any procedure. Then, once you've made a little slit with your scalpel, introduce your main needle, which is typically a needle with a removable stylet inside of it. Here we can see some stark differences compared to paras and thoras. Most obviously, you aren't using ultrasound guidance as you advance the needle. You're just relying on your landmarks and your understanding of anatomy. You also don't have a needle catheter apparatus here. Your stylet needle is all you need, and if you get it in, you'll simply leave it in place as you remove the stylet to collect the fluid. You're also using vials instead of syringes to collect the fluid, there's no role for wall suction, basically everything is different. LPs are just a different kind of procedure. What you've got to learn is how to interpret what you're feeling as you advance the needle. So get a nice grip on it with both thumbs and both forefingers. The needles in our kits have little wings at the back you can rest your thumbs on, and you can rest your index fingers more towards the front of the needle. Make sure the tip of the needle is oriented vertically relative to the patient's back, so it's more likely to gently part ligamentous fibers rather than sever them. Advance it slowly and carefully, maintaining your angle. If you're lucky and you've chosen your spot well, you'll never have to adjust your angle at all. You'll pass easily through fascia and fat, then there will be a stretch where you have to greatly increase the force you're applying because you're in the ligament. Then you'll poke through to the CSF, and in theory, you may notice a decrease in resistance at that point, though it may be very subtle since the ligaments will still have a grip, so to speak, on your needle. So you shouldn't necessarily rely on detecting a drop in resistance. What you should do is advance the needle. If you get it more than halfway in without meeting bone, then depending on your patient's body habitus and the size of your needle, it might be time to check to see if you're in the subarachnoid space, which is your goal. So rotate the needle 90 degrees, take the stylet out, and look for a drip, typically a slow drip of totally clear fluid. If you see that, you're in. If not, if there's no drip, put that stylet back in, rotate the needle back to its vertical position, and advance further, maybe another centimeter or so, then check again. How deep you expect the needle to be depends on the patient's body habitus, but for many patients, you can hub the needle. And for some particularly obese patients, you may even need to get a special larger needle to do the job. If you don't hit your target on the first pass, worry not. Pull the needle back until it's almost out, choose a different angle, a slightly more upward angle typically, and advance again. This is also what you do if you hit bone anywhere along the way. Like I said, LPs are all about trial and error. If you hit bone, pull back and adjust. If you hit bone again, pull back and adjust again. If none of that works, maybe pull out completely and try the slightly lateral to midline approach I mentioned earlier. If none of that works, and your patient's still putting up with you, you can also try an entirely different interspace. Go to L3-L4 if you were trying L4-L5, or vice versa. You can imagine, I think, why this procedure can be somewhat frustrating. You're advancing the needle blindly, as opposed to under ultrasound guidance. It's fairly uncomfortable for the patient, and it's pretty hard to know which way you really need to adjust the needle if you don't hit your target. All you can do is know your anatomy, palpate carefully for your landmarks, and try many different angles of approach, checking for CSF at various depths. Of course, sometimes you hit CSF on your very first pass, and that can be a very satisfying feeling, So let's talk about what happens when you do. I guess there isn't too much to say. If you're measuring pressure, you hook up the needle to a manometer, a thin cylinder of glass or plastic, and you watch the fluid rise inside. The level where the fluid stops rising is the opening pressure. Then you unhook that, and you hold your first vial under the end of the needle, allowing the fluid to drip inside. The CSF should drip slowly but steadily, allowing you to fill each of your four vials over the course of, I don't know, maybe five minutes or so. Cap your vials as you go, then your work is basically done. Put the stylet back in the needle, hold some gauze over the site and withdraw the needle, clean up in the usual way put a band-aid over the wound, dispose of your sharps, make sure your labs end up in the lab, etc. I'm glossing over some of the details because they're common to all procedures and more thoroughly discussed in my paracentesis episode. But hopefully this review at least familiarizes you, or re-familiarizes you, with the basic steps involved in a lumbar puncture. Getting good at it is just a matter of practice, and to a certain extent, luck. Alright, that's a wrap. As always, please feel free to email me with questions, feedback, or comments at themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. The podcast should be available on many different podcasting platforms by now, so if you like the show, please do leave a rating or a review. It will help other listeners to find it. Alright then, see you next time.